Welcome to Library Land Loves, a podcast by OLA. I believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, and the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Library Land loves a lot. Okay, perfect. So, take two, because I totally didn't botch the last one. Welcome. Today we have the lovely Julie Demers with us. And Julie, uh, what do you do day to day? Well, day to day now, I'm a grade one French immersion teacher. But for most of my teaching career, I've been a teacher librarian. And I have to say, Michael, it has been the best experience of my life. I've thought at times, really, they pay me to come to work and read really great books. Shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) No, that's definitely one of the dreams. Um, So I know that we are talking about uh, uh, five things that you love. And so what top five are we looking at today? Today, we're looking at my top five read alouds for older students. students in the junior grades, so that would be grades four, five, and six. Okay, perfect. And for those that don't know, what exactly is a read aloud? A read aloud is a book that, believe it or not, you're going to read aloud. Generally, when we think of a read aloud, we think of a picture book that we would read to younger students. And picture books often work well with older students, but we're looking for that novel that can easily be read aloud. Some novels are a bit longer, or the wording is such that it just doesn't translate well when it's read aloud. You really need to read it on your own. And then there are books that just really work very well to read aloud to a group. They've got discussion points and also the type of language used just works really well to be to be heard. Oh, perfect. Is there any kind of like audience participation or is it mainly just a teacher reading aloud to the class? Generally, I've been the reader to the class, but uh, I've really encouraged the students to participate by pausing at several points in the reading of the book so that I can either ask a question or respond to their comments or just encourage them to to raise issues that are of interest to them through the reading and to further the, the thinking about the text. Oh, great. Well, I'm excited to hear what your top five read-alouds are. What's uh, the number five? Number five is The Mummy, the Will, and the Crypt by John Belairs. And this is a great um, novel. Uh, It was one of my first novels that I read that dealt with gothic mystery. And the main character, Johnny Dixon, lives with his uncle, Professor Childermas, because of course Johnny's parents have died, as is so often the case in children's novels. Uh, Johnny then goes on, with the help of Professor Childermas, who's also known as the professor, to defeat the forces of evil in a variety of ways. Uh, It's a great book for, for the children because Johnny is a boy who's kind of plump, doesn't have a whole lot of friends, and it shows this evolution from one novel to the next on how he goes about overcoming his own self-doubts, how he learns to really rely on himself and rely on others, trust in others to, to overcome the forces of evil. I will warn you with the books by John Belairs, you do not want to read them if there are no chocolate cupcakes in the house because they are always talking about really great food in the book and you will be hungry. (laughs) No, that sounds great. Uh, Okay, what's number four? Number four would be Among the Hidden. This is the first in a series of books written by Margaret Haddix. It's a fantasy world in which families are only allowed to have two children and the third one, uh, if they choose to have a, a third child, is a child who must remain 
being hidden. And I love this book because it really encourages children to start thinking about the role of government in uh, in our lives. How much interference or how much responsibility should the government have in shaping our society? And with the themes raised in this book about the number of children you can have, it's really something that the children that I read aloud to can identify with and they can start to question, well, what's the difference between government involvement and government protection? It's also a really great book for exploring the role of media in what sort of stories become disseminated to the general public. In uh, Among the Hidden, one of the main characters is killed, and she's killed by the police, which, of course, surprises the children because we're not used to thinking of the police doing that, but in this novel, they do. The death of this character is not reported in the news, and so that's a really great starting point for having a discussion about what news makes it into mainstream media and what doesn't. How is it reported on? Who decides what is reported on and what isn't? And so it's just something that the children all all of a sudden have an opinion. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. And it's also very topical, too. Like, when was this guy written? Um, I'm not sure of the date when this was written, but when I first read this series aloud, um, it was when the political problems in Egypt had started. And all of a sudden, we could have this discussion comparing what was going on in Egypt and the news that was coming out of Egypt with, um, what was happening in the story and the children could see that there were parallels there. No, for sure. It's definitely a very good teaching tool as well. Oh, absolutely. And the story is fascinating. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm excited to hear what number three is if those were number uh, five and four. Number three takes us into a different kind of literature and it's realistic fiction. In this instance, it ta- the novel takes place in uh, Nov- New Brunswick. Uh, Some children are playing around on a snow-covered bank by a river. They jump onto a piece of ice. The ice cracks and moves away from the shore. So the children are now stuck on a piece of ice that is floating down the river. And it's heading out to sea because of the changing of the tide. It's floating out that way. The children are faced with the difficulty of getting off of this block of ice. Now, at first, it's not that serious a problem because they're fairly close to the shore, but they miss several key opportunities to get off of that block of ice. And they're now moving into a wider expanse of water, closer to the ocean, and the big block of ice is breaking away and becoming progressively smaller. So very suspenseful. This is a book that when I first read it, I was so involved in it, I just could not put it down. Uh, I brought it into work, started reading it with the students, and this is one of the novels that I knew this is a great one because the classroom teacher was coming to get the children on a few occasions and the kids would yell, don't come yet, she's not done the chapter. Oh geez, uh, what is it called? It is Chocolate River Rescue. A and Chocolate it River was Rescue. A, um, uh, Forest of Reading uh, nominee. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it, it's interesting with a title like that, I wouldn't expect such a suspenseful plot. Oh, it is so suspenseful. It is incredible. Oh, fantastic. And I like when I hear a title like The Chocolate River uh, is Rescue. Rescue, I don't immediately think, uh, again, super suspenseful. I'm thinking like a kid's book or even like a small chapter book. Right. Oh, fantastic. What's the reading level for that? It would be grades four, five, and six, even up to grades seven and eight. It is a fantastic story. Okay. No, I'm hooked for that one. Oh, absolutely. Um, So what do we got for number two then? Number two is The Twits by Roald Dahl. And I always think of this one as my whiz-bang book. It is my, how am I going to hook my reluctant readers, my students who say, I don't like to read let me read you the twits and Mm -hmm. they are hooked it has 
all of the elements of a really great story. Mr. and Mrs. Twit, who are the Twits, are so ridiculously evil and wicked <laughs> that you cannot help but both despise and like them in their wickedness. Uh, they are just hysterically mean to each other. And Roald Dahl has such great imagery in his books. Mm -hmm. uh, he begins with a description of Mr. Twit's beard in which he describes the pieces of sardine and mustard that are still stuck in his beard. And it's fantastic. The children can all really visualize it. Yeah, I know, for sure. And the Twits are just so ridiculously mean to each other, but imaginative in their meanness. So at one point, Mr. Twit, every night, adds to the, to the chair legs. And every day she notices her feet are a little further from the floor. Mm. And then he breaks the news to her that she's got the shrinks. And the only way no. to cure her is to tie her feet to a ring that he has nailed into the ground and to tie balloons to her to stretch her. Oh, and the kids, of course, think this is ridiculously funny. And it is. Oh, for sure. And do you find that this is like a gateway to other doll stories? It is. It is one of his least threatening books because it's a shorter novel. And sometimes for our reluctant readers who are a little bit older, a grade four, five, six, even seven and eight, you can still read it it's reading a novel but you don't feel that you need to read a 400 page novel so yes it's a great gateway into his literature but also it's just so fantastic on its own oh fantastic well i'm super excited to hear what the number one is if those are the precursors for it number one takes us into a completely different direction and it's not so much a book it is a speech and it is martin luther king jr's uh, i have a dream speech uh, generally, I've read this in February for Black History Month, and it's one of those works of literature that when I first read it, I thought, gee, I wonder how the children are going to respond to that. Will they really be able to get into the theme of the speech? And they do. It is just amazing. On a sense of word, the it, it is so lyrical and so beautiful. So many lines just ring out as poetry. It is just a beautifully written speech. In addition, the themes that he raises, the children have so many questions and comments and so many things they want to discuss and they want to know, is he is this fiction? Is he making up what he's describing or is this real? And there are so many great discussions that have come out of reading that speech. Oh, that's, I would have never have thought to use a speech like that as a learning tool like this. It's absolutely fabulous. The children start to also see speech writing as a form of literature. But I think Martin Luther King Jr.'s ability to really have phrases in a speech that make you want to pause and think about things and to think about things more deeply. It is just an absolutely fascinating piece of literature and piece of history. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can use this across different grades as well, depending on how deep you want to get into the speech. Absolutely. I have started with the students as young as grade four, because I think at a certain point, you do need a certain maturity of thinking to understand that. And then of course, the speech stands, I would read that uh, speech if I were teaching high school or or even university level students. Oh, well, thank you. And I know that this was a wonderful list of learning materials. Well, I would you. use this in my own if I were. Uh, but thank you so much for coming out and sharing your love. My pleasure. Excellent. And that's it for today. I still need to figure out how I'm going to end these guys. Though.